Thanks for joining us here at Temple Baptist Church in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. If you would like to see other resources or learn more about our ministry, check out www.tbccentralia.com. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. Ready. All right. So uh, we are in the middle of a series. I love this series. The series is called Dysfunctional. All right. And the, the premise behind this is that most of us, if we're honest, have a dysfunctional family. And probably our lives are filled with dysfunctional relationships. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that today. If you brought your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them up to the book of James and find chapter number four. If you're here this morning and you do not own a copy of God's word, if you look in front of you, there are Bibles there. If you open up the front of it, there's a little message there that says, if you don't own a copy of God's word, make this one yours. All right. And you are free to take that with you. Uh, and, and have that because you don't just need a Bible while you're at church. You need a Bible all week long. So James chapter four is where you need to be. We're in the middle of a five week series. Week number three, say three. All right. We're in the middle week number three. And um, the big idea of this series is, is that there is tension between what a functional family looks like based on what the New Testament has described to us and what our dysfunctional families are actually like in reality. Do I got an amen? Yes. You know, Jesus taught an unattainable truth, and that is that you and I can have a functional family. And he lays this out. His disciples spread that message in their uh, epistles to the New Testament church. But the problem is that we have the current state, which is where we're at right now in our relationships, and we have this ideal, this functional state that Jesus laid. And there's a difference between where we want to be and where we are. And that creates tension. There's pull there. And, and it's natural to go to that dysfunctional relationship and just accept it. But there's this desire to achieve this unattainable thing that Jesus describes to us. You know, in week one, that's really what I talked about was that he gave us a new standard of what a functional family should look like. And newsflash, it's unattainable. You're not going to be able to do it on your own. But even though he made it unattainable, he lavishes his mercy. He lavishes his undeserved grace and allows us to achieve that functional family status if we're willing to follow his recipe, his instructions. Well, last week I introduced you another word in this functional, and that is honor. And I talked about how that we have the choice to leverage our power, to leverage our influence, to leverage our resources for those that we love, for those that we have relationships with. It's called mutual submission. You know, uh, in the four instructions, we, we point out, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands. But I pointed out last week in Ephesians 5, 21, it says, let everyone submit to one another. Well, this week, I've got a new word for you. This week, it's going to line up with I surrender all. This week, the word 
is conflict. And the reality is this, that all families have this in common. Every family that I know has conflict. But the problem is, when you have conflict in family and you win the argument, you don't win anything at all. See, at work, if, if you win an argument at work, you know, you might get a pay raise. You might get a new position. In the courtroom, you might get to stand on the steps of the courthouse and declare, I won. But in the living room, when you win, you don't get to stand up on the mantle. You don't get to go out on the front porch and yell it. Because when you win, you really don't win. And in the bedroom, when you think you won, you find out that there's a heavy cost to that win. And the reality is this, when it comes to family, when it comes to conflict in family, it's complicated. Why is it that we hurt the people we love the most? Why is it that we abandon the people that we would do anything for except apologize? Why is it that we do these things? And I would answer the question is, it's because when it comes to family relationships, you have an emotional anchor. You are passionate about your family. Now, many of you have probably experienced somebody, maybe even somebody here today, maybe somebody watching online is, you know, they're, they're saying, you know what? I don't care about my family. And you live your life like you don't have one. But that doesn't change the truth that you are passionate and that you do want a strong relationship and that you do want a healthy family. You've just embraced the dysfunctional. You've just embraced that, you know what, I'm just not going to try anymore. And the thing about conflict with family is that it never seems to get resolved. It just goes on and on. Oh, you might... Uh, put it to the side for family reunion weekend, but then you pick it back up when you get home. You might put it aside for a family dinner, but then you pick it back up and you carry it with you for another three or four months. And so as I think about a conflict in our families, I think there's, there's some conflict resolution styles that many of us practice. I just want to cover a couple of those with you. One conflict resolution style is where you are a peacemaker. Some of you in here, you, uh, when, when ar you argue with somebody else, you just find a way to make it right and you do it, even if it, it costs you. Or if you see uh, people, uh, two family members uh, in conflict, you're there to help smooth it out and make it work out. And, and as long as you're there in their presence, it seems like everything's okay. You're a peacemaker. Well, some people aren't a peacemaker. They're a sulker. And when they don't get their way, they suck on their big thumb. Or they sit like Big Chief Sitting Bull. Or maybe you find yourself, you're not a sulker, you're a stuffer. And all that dysfunction, all of that tension, all of that desire for a good relationship, you know what, you just swallow it. And you let it get to you. And you're not passive aggressive about it. You just keep putting it in. And one day it's going to explode. It might be in the form of a heart vessel. It might be in the form of an aneurysm in your brain. It might be in the form of an ulcer in your stomach. But all of that stuff that you're stuffing down. All of that tension between that functional family that Jesus promised. And that dysfunctional family that you're living. It's hurting you. 
and you don't even realize it because you can't see it. Well, some of you here are what I would call the screamer. You grew up in a family where, you know what, matter of fact, after you scream about it, you're thinking, man, don't you feel better about that? And you do, but the problem is your wife or your husband or your children, they're not screamers, and they don't scream back. And when you scream, those words carry weight, and they hurt, and they destroy. And while you may feel better, they don't. And either they sulk or they stuff it, and it doesn't come up for a while. Well, many of you here today might not align with any of those. Maybe you're the litigator. You're the person who can win any argument. And even if you can't win any argument, you convince yourself that you won. Some of you are multi-talented, and it depends on the situation. In one situation, you're a screamer. In another situation, you're a stuffer. In another situation, you're a sulker. In another situation, you're a litigator. And the truth of the matter is, as many different people we have in here, there's that many different conflict resolution styles. But even though there's different people and different conflict resolution styles, there's only one source of the conflict. And so I think that it would be wise for us to listen to James, the brother of Jesus, and see what he shares with us about conflict resolution. So if you found James and you found the fourth chapter, I'm going to just read three verses to you. And I'm going to start with verse number one. And verse number one says this. What causes fights and quarrels among you? You know, James asked that question. James, the brother of Jesus, asked the question. Now, younger Ronnie what I would do is I would say, hey, turn to the person beside you and ask them, what's causing all the conflict? But the, the, the more wise and mature Ronnie says, if I did that, I'd have a worship center full of conflict right now. Because if somebody asked you what the problem is, you'd probably point the finger back at them. And, and they don't believe you. And the rest of verse 1 says this. Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Don't they come from your emotions? Don't they come from your passions? See, James knew that if, if you guys were, if it was left up to us to answer that question, we blame somebody else. And James instead, he points us out the reason. He points us out the source of conflict. You know, Andy Stanley said it this way. As long as you blame other people for your unhappiness, you will always remain unhappy. And many of us, we have given our happiness over to other people. Matter of fact, some of you have given it to 10 different people in your life. And you can't experience true happiness. You don't know what joy feels like because you're not going to the author of joy. You're not going to the person who can give you happiness right this moment, instead, you're looking for it from your mom or your dad. You're looking for it from your husband or your wife. You're looking for it from your children. And, and ladies and gentlemen, they don't have it. They don't own your happiness. And what you find out, you start saying, if you, or if he would only, and you fill in the blank, or if she would only do this, I'd be a lot happier. Or if they would respond this way, I'd be a happy man. 
We can't all be like Uncle Si, happy, happy, happy. Because we've given it away to everybody else. You know, the, the reality is this, that most people aren't going to behave the way that you want them to to give you the happiness that you think you deserve. That's hard medicine. And while it may be a little bit true at work, it's a whole lot true at home. I, I've, I've said this. When mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Oh, me. And what happens is we start saying her, her, her. Why do husbands struggle loving their wives? Because of her, her, her. Why do wives struggle submitting to their husbands? Because of him, him, him. Why do parents struggle not exacerbating, not embittering their children? Because of them, them, them. And why do kids struggle with obeying their parents? Because of them, them, them. And what we're going to find out is you're never, ever going to resolve your conflict when you find the source in her, or you find the source in him, or you find the source in them. It's when you listen to James's words and you start looking at you, 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 you'll find the resolution. See, in James chapter 4 and verse 2, he says these words, you desire, but you do not have, so you kill. Listen to these words. You desire, that's what I want. That's my desired state. But you do not have, that's your current state. There's a tension between what you desire, what you want, and what you really have. And you don't like that tension. So what do we do? We kill. Now folks, James is not right, he's not speaking in a prison ministry. He's not speaking to a bunch of people who've been convicted for murder. He's writing to the New Testament church. He's writing to Temple Baptist Church. He's writing to every church that is worshiping right now all across this country. You know, we look at the thing three weeks ago and I talked about how that Jesus changed the standard for adultery. In his day, they thought it was a physical act. And he said, no, when you think about it. Well, just go a few chapters uh, earlier in Matthew chapter 5, and he talks about murder, and he says, you guys talk about murder and don't murder somebody, and I'm telling you, don't be angry with somebody. Well, one day, I had the opportunity, uh, it, this was about six to eight weeks after my mom had passed away, and me and my dad, we were driving down from um, Clarksville, Tennessee, down to Biloxi, Mississippi. And my mom and dad had not managed their finances very well. And, and so there was a, a bit of tension there after her uh, passing. And so I sat down and, and I had figured it up and I shared with dad how that, you know, dad, if you, if for, if for seven months, if you would just knuckle down, you know, you could be debt free, not having any issues and have an incredible life ahead of you. You see, the desired state was what I wanted was I wanted to help. But here's what happened. 
my dad looked over at me. I remember we were driving down Interstate 65. And he looks over at me and he says, you just want my money. What I wanted was to help. What I got was hurt. Fathers, don't embitter your children. And here was a 38-year-old son that got bitter. Against a 60-year-old dad. So what did I do? I killed that relationship. You know, honors when you use your power, when honors when you use your influence, honors when you use your resources. And I took all of those back. Oh, I didn't kill him. But I quit calling him. I quit taking trips to go see him. I quit going out of my way to help him. I killed that relationship. You know, I've had the opportunity to teach a lot of classes, and one class I taught was called Conflict Resolution 101. Uh, probably at the time I was having this issue. But I didn't think about it that way. And in Conflict Resolution 101, you usually draw this big circle. And in this big circle, you, you ask somebody, you know, what's the cause of your problems? And they, they usually say her, 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 him, 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 them, them, them. And a good conflict resolution specialist will ask them, well, what part of that is yours? And usually they'll draw this little snippet of the pie that's about 10% of the problem. And a good conflict resolution person, when they see that, then they get the person to take ownership of the 10%. Because you can't control the 90% that has to do with your dad. You can't control the 90% that has to do with your wife. You can't control the 90% that has to do with your kids or your brother or your sister. You fill in the blank. And you deal with the 10%. We're like, why are you getting in here preaching on conflict resolution 101? You know why? Because James chapter 4 verse 2 says this. You covet but you cannot get what you want. You desire to possess, but you cannot get that 10% of what you want. So what? You quarrel and you fight. And when, when it comes to quarreling and fighting with family, even when you win, you don't win. Folks, this is Jesus' brother giving us these words. Do you think Jesus' brother, James, ever quarreled with Jesus? You think he might have had a problem with the Savior of the world? Sleeping on the bunk above him. I think. And so last week, when it comes to honor, I shared a question that you can ask. And I hope anybody used that question this week. Raise your hand real quick. That question was, what can I do to help? You know, I use that. Matter of fact, this Sunday, this morning, my wife came down and says, what can I do to help? And make me break. No. <laughs> I want to share with you a question that you can ask that will help when it comes to conflict, and it's this. 
You know what part of the problem is here? And then I'm, I'm going to give you the answer. I'm not getting what I want. Right? I'm going to ask that question again, and I want you guys to be my conscience, and then let me know what the second half of that is. You know what the part of the problem is here? All right, Jiminy Cricket. You know what part of the problem is here? You know what part of the problem is here? Ooh. Part of the problem is that I want something from him. I want something from her. I want something from them. And they don't have the ability to give it. First of all, they don't even know I want it. My dad had no clue how much he hurt me in those words. And so husbands, why do we not love our wives the way Christ loved the church? Because there's something that I want that I'm not getting. And I'm going to tell you, it's probably not what you're thinking right now. Wives, why do you struggle with submitting to your husband? Because you're not getting something that you want. And your husband is clueless about it. Parents, why is it that you're not getting what you want from your children? Because your kids don't know. You think they should. You probably tell yourself, well, come on, they've been my kid for 12 years. If they ain't figured it out now, trust me, when they're 38 years old, they probably still won't have it figured out. Help them out. Tell them. So whatever your slice of that pie is, when you take ownership of it, whether it's just 1%, 99% is everybody else, but 1% is yours. When you take that 1%, all 100% of the 1% is and you can control that. Husbands, control your 1%. Control your 10%. Wives, control your 1%. Control your 10%. Children, control your 1%. So the, the reality is this. When it came to dad, I wasn't getting what I wanted. And I took my toys and I went home. And parents of adult children, you know what that feels like, don't you? It hurts. Because there is nothing you love in this world more than your children. Even when they're 25, 27, 42, 58. But then James bails us out one more time. In James chapter 4, verse 2, it says, You do not have because you do not ask. Now, I added a word in there just so you know who you're supposed to be asking. You do not have because you do not ask God. The brother of Jesus says the reason why you don't have conflict resolution in your life is because you don't ask God. That is huge. That's a tectonic shift in dysfunction versus functional family. So instead of stopping in the middle of an argument and say, hey, you know what the problem is? I'm not getting what I want, which you'll never, ever do. You had a hard enough time saying it here, being my conscience. You'll never do it when you're mad at your wife. You'll probably never do it when you're mad at your husband. You'll never do it when your children hurt you. But 
before you go storming down the hall and slamming doors? Before you fire off that note or writing lipstick across the mirror, something you want your husband to understand? Before you go in your kid's room and rip off the blankets and tell them what ingrates they are? Before you start the argument and before you justify the argument with you've told them ten times, they should know, they promise. Before you go into a rage, before you start screaming, before you spend hours, days, and weeks sulking, before you convict them in your, the courtroom of your mind, Jesus, the brother of James, the brother of Jesus, says this. Has it occurred to you to say, dear God? Dear God, I want my husband fill in the blank. Dear God, I want my teenage son fill in the blank. Dear God, I want my adult children fill in the blank. Dear God, I want my daughter to break up with that crazy guy. Dear God, I want to love my wife, but I want this and I'm not getting it. Dear God, I want to submit to my husband, but I want this and I'm not getting it. Dear God, I want to obey my parents, but I want this and I'm not getting it. Dear God, I don't want to aggravate my children, but I want this. I expect this from them, and I'm not getting it. In verse 3 of James chapter 4, you do ask God, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. Folks, I, I, I don't understand why we struggle with this, but be honest when you pray. Be honest. God knows. When you're lying to him in your prayers, he knows. Those prayers don't get past the ceiling. Be honest. Be honest. Do you really want to have a functional family? Do you really want to love your wife? Tell God that. And then tell him where you're struggling with it. Do you want to have a functional family, but you struggle with that word submit to your husband? Be honest with God. Let him. Because newsflash, it's not about God figuring it out. It's about you coming to grips with it. And so earlier I gave you some conflict resolution styles. I talked about being a peacemaker. I talked about being a sulker, a stuffer, a screamer, or a litigator. But I'm here to tell you that none of those are going to work for you. It might get you through today, but tomorrow the conflict's coming back. I gave you the question. Do you know what part of the problem is here? And I gave you. I'm not getting what I want. That's not going to help you because most of you will never ever. But every one of us. Can say these words. Dear God. Are you experiencing conflict with somebody in your life right now? You can say, dear God. Have you recognized in the last 20 minutes 
that you know what part of the problem is? I'm not getting what I want. Dear God. Now, when you understand that you're not getting what you want, whether it's 1%, 10%, or 99%, if we were honest, you own it. I'll just share with you. A preacher preached a message very similar to this one. And sit right on the second row with Ronnie Tabor, who had killed the relationship with his father. And I knew that I wasn't getting what I wanted. And I said, dear God, I'm going to do something very different for this, to end this service. If you found yourself today in the situation where you believe that you have recognized that you are part of the problem. That the conflict, you're going to take ownership of the 1%. You're going to take ownership of the 99%. If you are willing to do that, I want to pray for you. But here's the only way I know how to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to do something bold, something that most of you don't want to do. But if you don't, you're going to be stuck in a dysfunctional relationship. I'm here to tell you that when I said, dear God, I restored that relationship through the faith, through the power of Jesus Christ. And my father and I had a relationship up to the day he died that I envied all my life. And here's what I'm asking. If you recognize that that's me, there's somebody that I've got conflict with. It may be a family member. It may be a friend. It may be a co-worker. And I recognize that I own a little bit of that problem because I'm not getting what I want. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Just those people who've recognized that there's you're part of that. I want to pray for you right now. Does everybody bow their heads? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you see the hearts God, you know the conflict that's going on. Lord, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die for those conflicts. You sent your son to die for those differences. You sent your son to die for the tension. And God, it is not your will that we fight amongst ourselves. Jesus, you told us that people will know us, that we're your disciples if we have love one. Holy Spirit, I ask that you now, you touch each one of these lives. God, I pray that you will empower them and help them take ownership of that, that 1%, that 10%, the 99%, make it 100% theirs. And Lord, I pray that you will pour out that undeserved grace. And God, that you will allow them to experience peace. That you allow them to experience a restored relationship, one that you have desired. It's his name, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, amen. If everybody else would stand, uh, Jermaine, I'm gonna ask you to do something different. Will you lead us in I Surrender All, just like you did, all right? This is your chance. You get to say, dear God, I surrender all, and you fill in the blanks. You know who it is. You know what the hurt is. And I have no doubt that you are hurting. 
5 horas. You don't have to hurry. Jesus Christ, your Savior, wants to give you the opportunity to restore. He wants that relationship to be whole. He wants your dysfunctional family to become a functional family. And before we sing that, I just want to share this with you. Maybe you're watching at home online. Maybe you're here today and you have never, ever established a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the, the current state is that you are going to die one day and you're going to spend eternity in hell. And if you're like the rest of us, the desired state is that one day you're going to take your last breath and then you're going to be in the presence of Jesus Christ. I want to pray for you. And here's what I'm going to offer you. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. When they begin to sing, I'm going to walk to the back. And if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, come see me. And allow me to share with you how you can do that. Let's sing. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps could be in your relationship with Christ, simply go to www.tbccentralia.com forward slash next. You see, here at TBCC, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight.